Hey! Welcome here, guys. Uh, make room. We got people in the back. Find a seat. Get comfortable. Get close. Uh, staff members, make sure you're playing that zone defense that we talked about today. Um, and uh, yeah, slowly but surely, this is coming in. All right. Good job, guys. Oop. All right. Yes, we got that done. All right. All right, guys. Tell me about the series that we've been in so far. What are we, what, 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 what's the series been called? Just raise your hand, somebody, somebody, and say it loud. Go ahead. Scoreboard. Okay, so in our scoreboard, we're talking about metrics. We're talking about how we keep score, what, what we're working towards here, and what are those three ways that we score points uh, um, in this scoreboard series. Somebody raise your hand, tell me. Go ahead. Discipleship is one. All right. All right. Give me somebody else. Somebody else. Go ahead. Way in the back. Salvation. Yes, yes. And then Gabe talked about it last week. What's the other one? Baptism. Baptism, right? And uh, as you guys can see, back there we have a scoreboard. We've already got seven salvations so far. Uh, sorry, it's this Um uh, we, haven't, we haven't updated yet. The scoreboard isn't there, but uh, we started discipleship this week, and we had 22 students there. So we got 22 in the discipleship thing here, right? And uh, our, next, our next baptism chance to get baptized is November 20th. I've already had one person come to me and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to get baptized during that time. Uh, and so November 20th, if you want to get baptized, you can add to our scoreboard. But we'll have one there on November 20th. So we are starting this season off right. Um, but tonight, we talk about this. Everyone say it with me. We can do better now. Let's get ready. Everyone say it with me. Thank you. Thank you. That enthusiasm that is unknown to mankind, except for Jacob. Um, Jacob has that, and that is awesome. So, somebody tell me, since we're a community here, what, what do you think of when you think of the word discipleship? What, what is something you think of? Go ahead, Lena. Mentoring. Yeah, all right, I like that. Mentoring. Somebody else. Somebody else. To be discipled. Yes, yes, that's, that's also mentoring. Um, yeah, nobody? Mm, go ahead, Jacob. Discipline. Yes, we're going to talk about that later. There's, a, there's another word built right into this, which is discipline, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Did you guys, do you guys think this is just a church word? No. You could be discipled into all sorts of things, couldn't you? And I want to I suggest that every single one of us is a disciple of something. Every single one of us is a disciple of something. The question is, is the thing that we are a disciple of worth it? Is it worth our affection? Is it worth our time? How many of you guys go to school? Raise your hand if you go to school here. You guys are a disciple of education, all right? How's that working out for you? <laughs> Some of you guys are like, yeah, I love it. Um, others are like, I want to call myself so much a disciple of education. Um, I'm getting by. Um, how many of you guys do a sport? Raise your hand if you do a sport. That's right. That's right. Cool. You are disciplining yourself in that sport. So you are a disciple of that sport. How many of you guys 
play a musical instrument? Raise your hand if you play an extra musical instrument. All right, you people who play an instrument, you need to talk to Nash or to, to Jessica um, because we need you on stage. We need you to join the band, all right? So make sure you do that. You are a disciple of those things. Have you ever... Have you ever done something, like really studied something, and then one day you woke up and said, I don't want to do that anymore. And then you walk away from it. When you do that, you are making a judgment. You're saying, this is not worth my time. I'm no longer going to be a disciple of this thing anymore. And I think if we live long enough, that'll happen to several of us over the course of our lives. We will stop being a disciple. Do you guys notice that sometimes you could spend a lot of time like on a lot of, th- like on one thing, and, and, and all that time is in there, and you could become so good at it. And then you decide you don't care about being good at it. Anybody ever here get into like Pokemon Go really hard a few years ago, right? Some of you guys are still into that. Some of you guys are like, I'll, I'll catch one right now. Um, yeah. Video games, you know, and then an update happens and ruins the whole game, and you're like, man, that was a waste of time. That was a waste of time. To be discipled means that you spend time mastering something. And then we become mastered. When we become masters of that thing, we have to ask the hard question, was it worth it? I think it's weird in the church that we've asked so little of our disciples. You know, it's like, oh, just come once a week, you know, maybe, maybe just be a part of this small group, you know. If you're into it, come, come, with us on, come with us to camp, you know. We ask so little. Because even these things like Pokemon Go, like Fortnite, like, uh, like they ask so much of us. Have you ever gone into your hours on your PS4 or PS5? Have you ever gone into that? Some of you guys are proud of that. You shouldn't be, you know? That is all hours that you don't get back in the kingdom. That is all hours that does not amount to anything. When I was your age, back in my day, um, Tony Hawk Pro Skater came out. And... uh, And I became the best, not just the best of like my friend group, I became so stinking good at Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Um, And then there was this tournament at a church, like an all-nighter to get us there. And I went in that thing and I clobbered everyone. I like just, it wasn't even close. It wasn't even hard for me. I just, I won it. And at the end of it, like they gave me this like little fake trophy that they had like stuck a sticker over that was like a bowling trophy, but now it's Tony Hawk Pro Skater thing. And I was like, I looked at the trophy, and I realized, oh my gosh, I just wasted so much time. Now, the other question is, have you ever given yourself fully to something, only to be rewarded by the thing that you have become a disciple of? Only keeps getting better the more you get into it. Have you ever found yourself fully submitted, fully submitted, fully submerged into something, and, and then at the end of it, there's still more. You just, it's like a, a present that just keeps on opening and opening and opening. I would like to suggest that there's only one, there's only one thing that you can become a disciple of that exists in that way, and it's something that exists 
in our very nature. See? We are a creation, created by a creator, which means that our purpose is completely 100% connected to our creator. And so when we say, I want to be a disciple of God, we are connecting our very nature unto God. And that's something that will never, ever, ever leave us dry. So we have to examine the ask. We've got we've to we've examine when God asks us to be a disciple, what is that about? How big is it? And is it worth it? There's one place in the Bible where I think that we get a really, really, really good picture of what, of what the ask that God is having us look at is plainly seen. And it's actually words of Jesus spoken in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 24. It says this, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever will save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Now I'm going to say, guys, if that didn't just call you out, you got some repenting to do. If that didn't just call you out of your own complacency, then there's something you haven't repented of yet that you need to. I'm going to say it again, and this is what Jesus says to all of us for all time. If anyone would come after me, if anyone would follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will will save it. Jesus utters these words before he has even carried his own cross. When the disciples heard this, two things occurred to them. One, Jesus just told them what he was going to do. He told his disciples, the people who loved him most, most that I'm going to put a cross on my back and I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose my life to save some. And then he's also saying that I want you to follow me on this path. Guys, make no mistake. This is what a disciple of Christ is required to become. And I'm glad that it's quiet in here after that because that is a very, very, very big ask. We live in a country where we are inoculated to the gospel. We've heard it over and over and over again. We have Bibles all on our phone, but we still don't read them. We have so much information. We, we have a freedom of religion, which means that we, we have freed ourselves from doing these things. But in countries that are on lockdown, where that's where actually the gospel spreads like wildfire. Did you guys know that in China it's illegal to be a Christian? Did you guys also know that the, where the church is growing the most and the fastest is in China? So the place where it's illegal is also the place where it's blowing up. And here's the thing is, it really costs them. When they get, when they get the call from, from Christ to be a follower of his, they hear this in the most literal sense of the words. We hear it in a figurative way. Like, what is my cross that I will carry today? Well, maybe I'll be kind, and that will be the cross that I carry today. Maybe, maybe I will do my homework before my parents ask me. That's a cross that I can carry. In China, 
Somebody could roll up into your Bible study with a gun and shoot you to death, and they would be justified under the law for doing it, and it happens pretty much every day. People are getting locked up for their faith. And they, when they read this, you know what they think? Let's go. They say, I'm ready. I'll follow you. I'll follow you. I'll follow you in that way. Now, once again, if you're not ready to make that commitment, there is yet things we are holding on to in this life that we must repent of. Because in order to be a disciple of Jesus, that last little thing, whoever loses his life for my sake will save it in the end, is the call of Christ. So let's break it down. Let's start right there at the top. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Tell me, guys, when you hear the word deny, what do you think of? Reject? Reject? What else? Anybody else? Sacrifice? Yeah? Anybody else? Go ahead. Not accepting? That's right. That's right. It's absolutely true, guys. Disciples are self-deniers. I want you to think about this, and I'm I'm preaching from the Word of God tonight, and and I try to do this as much as I can because my words don't matter nearly as much as God's words do. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Now I want you, in your own head, you guys are smart enough to do this. This is not the message that you get preached every single week at school, is it? What you get preached is accept yourself fully, wholly, 100% as you are. Make the world accept you as you are. Now that works if no one has sin, right? If we're all sinless, that's a very pleasant way to do it. You accept you, I'll accept me. There's no sin in the mix, so we're just good. You know, in the garden, that would have worked. But there's this thing called sin, and the way the Bible equates sin is it equates it to death. And because there's this thing called sin that leads to death, when we start to go, I'm just going to accept myself, what we're ultimately doing is saying, I'm just going to accept the sin that's in my life. I'm just going to allow myself to just live in sin. And slowly, we become inoculated to the own sin that is in our life. And the voice of God becomes less and less clear in our life. You must deny yourself. Disciples are self-deniers. What does it really look like in your life if you had to deny yourself fully? Last weekend... I did the hardest thing that I've ever done in my whole life. 9.40 p.m. Friday night, I started a hike, a hike that would take me 8,000 feet of total climb, over 50 miles and 22 hours with no sleep. I did it because I believe that as we learn to deny ourselves, there is lessons to be learned. And if we can beat our body into submission, Paul actually says it just like that. 
I have beaten my body into my own submission. If we can make our bodies do things that we never thought they could do, then we can lose ourselves somewhere along the way. Now, I hiked all the way through the night with just a lamp on my head and, and, and two people with me on the sides of cliffs, like I said, 8,000 feet of total climb. The sun came up at 7 o'clock in the morning. By that point, we had hiked about 17 miles, then 20 miles, then 25 miles, then 27 miles. And on the 27th mile, I found this second wind. Like, I, I could just run through a brick wall. And I was like, this is crazy. I've gone 27 miles, and I have all this extra energy. And I just spent the next 10 miles just, like, killing it, you know? Just getting fast miles over and over and over again. But guess what happened? I hit the wall. 37 miles. I hit the wall. Now, some of you guys who are math whizzes, you understand that 37 is not 50. Right? 37 is not 50. In fact, that means that my body said, no, I'm not going a step further with how many miles left to go? 13. 13. And yet, because I had burned the ships on both sides and I had hiked into a remote area where the only chances of me getting out of this place are, are going to be helicopter lifted out. Um, I have no choice but to keep walking forward. At that point, my bottom of my feet are completely blistered out, bloody. Um, my, my muscles are cramping on every step that I'm taking. Every step that I take, it's excruciating pain just shooting up my body. And I still got 13 more miles to go. But you know what I thought of when I thought of that? I thought of Jesus taking his steps towards the cross and how excruciating that pain would be. I thought about the fact that he kept on moving forward even knowing that the end, there's no finish line, there's no party, there's, no, there's nothing there. Death is waiting for him at the end. But as he's walking towards his death, towards the cross, as he has the cross on his back and he's walking, you know what he's thinking about during those times? It has to be. He's thinking about you. He's thinking about how he is going through this incredibly painful physical experience for you. He's thinking about your name and how he will be strong to save in this moment for you because you are his child. And on my trek, I thought about my children at the end of that thing. I thought about them being on the other side waiting for me, and there's no way that I was just going to sit down with 13 miles left to go and then have to tell them, hey, dad's not coming. I'm going to make it through. 50 miles is, is something I did to, 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 to prove that I could in my own body. Jesus proves his love for you in that while you sit in your sin, Christ died for you, which is one of the most amazing things. And so, if we are going to be disciples of Jesus, we have to learn to deny ourselves. There are things in your life that you have accepted about yourself that are leading to your own distraction and to your own destruction. There are things about your life that you have accepted as just part of who you are that you need to shed. 
in order, in order to fully embrace what it means to be a disciple. And if Jesus, knowing that there is pain on every step as he gets closer to Christ, as he gets closer to the cross, if he can keep walking on your behalf, then surely, as a way to repay him for his kindness, for his grace, we can truly follow after him and give up those things that we need to deny about ourselves. Every human, and this isn't just some people in this room, every single one of us has things we must deny in order to follow after Jesus. And so what is yours? What is preventing you from going 100% for Jesus? Is it your social clout? Is it your own laziness? Is it your own understanding? All of that can be overcome if you just choose to keep stepping forward in faith. I'm going to tell you guys, to follow Jesus is tough. People will judge you for it. They'll call you all sorts of names. They'll, they'll, they'll say all sorts of things about you that aren't true. They'll call you a fool. They'll, they'll call you hateful. They'll tell you that you believe in fairy tales. They'll laugh. They'll laugh behind your, your back. But when, what Jesus tells us is when that happens to you, wear it as a badge of honor. Because they hate you they first hated me. So, pick up your cross and follow after me. What have you not given up yet? Let's jump back into it here, guys. Let's jump back into it here. It says this. Take up his cross daily and follow me. You must take up your cross daily. Notice that word daily. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Let me ask you guys a question. Do you think a, a cross, like one that would actually hold you, your body up, is a light thing or kind of a heavy thing? Good, there's only one answer. <laughs> it's a heavy thing. What Jesus is saying is, hey, you got to do hard things. And you got to do hard things daily to follow after me. Some of you guys are too distracted. Even now, even, even when you hear this, vo this verse, you want to distract yourself with everything around you because you want to soften that call on your life. Guys, again, these are not TJ's words. I didn't write them. These are the words of Jesus, and he's putting these words on your life. And he's calling you to do really, really, really hard things. Would you be able to sit down with somebody who you know needs Jesus and share the gospel with them and ask them to respond to the gospel in front of you? Would you be able to do that? Or would you be too scared? A while back, and, and it, this didn't get any press coverage, it happened right before I left Oregon, um, probably eight years ago, there was a school shooting at... Um, a local community college, and somebody had gotten really, really deep into some messed up evil things, and they were manifesting that evil at a, at a, at a, at a um, community college in Roseburg. Now, what they were doing is they were going up to students, one by one, 
and asking them if they knew Jesus. Asking them if they were Christians. And if they said yes, they'd shoot them right there. That's, that's what happened. In fact, in the, um, in the very first school shooting that was, that was publicized in Columbine, which is in Colorado, same, same deal. Going around from place to place to place trying to off people for their faith. And the crazy thing is, some students, even in that setting, they got up that day, it was just a normal day, it was, it was, it was you know, they, they, they probably didn't have on exactly what they wanted to have on that day, they, they, they probably had some conflict that they were dealing with in their life, they, they might even, they might even been between churches, and somebody that day came up to them, held a gun to them, and said, hey, do you, do you believe in Christ? And they chose in that moment to say, yes, I do. And then they chose death because of that. Now, again, I know this is heavy stuff, but the world is getting darker. And as it gets darker, the true disciples will be found in him. And those of us who just did it for a feeling or for an experience, or to be with our friends. They will abandon this thing when it gets too hard. And you, personally, have to make the decision. Am I somebody who's faking the funk? Am I somebody who's just doing this to do it? Or is this fully, completely, 100% who I am? So much so that I would be willing to give up my life to gain it in the end. Now, those of us who know Jesus know this, that every single one of those people who got a gun pointed at their head, and this has happened over and over and over again for the past 2,000 years on behalf of Christ. There's, the church has been continually persecuted in such a way. The day that they shut their eyes in this world, they open their eyes into eternity. And they were welcomed in with a martyr's welcome, a celebration that is beyond compare. And they get to wear that in heaven forever. So if we can suffer here for a little while and be the disciples to whom Christ calls us to be, then we have all of eternity to live in that glory to which is ultimately his glory anyway. Discipleship takes discipline. It takes discipline. Self-discipline. Now, how many of you guys have had parents who disciplined you? Raise your hand. Okay, first of all, you should thank them for this, okay? You should thank them for this. Um, I know that's like the opposite of what you actually think. You're like, I don't like being disciplined. Here's the thing is, Parental discipline becomes self-discipline, and self-discipline leads to ultimate discipleship. I'm going to say it again. Parental discipline becomes self-discipline, and that leads to ultimate discipleship. Your parents, they're not just disciplining you to discipline you, are you? Somebody like, yeah, they are. They are. They're horrible. Um, when, they, when they discipline you, what are they trying to teach you? Somebody raise your hand and tell me. You don't know? Go ahead. Self-control. Why is it important that you be able to control yourself in this world? 
Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, tell me, tell me. Yep. Why is addiction bad? It's a sin against yourself, but what happens in addiction? You become reliant on that thing. And then does it lead to good places? Has addiction ever led to any place good? Does it lead to prospering? Does it lead to prosperity in any way? Does it, does it lead you to a better and a brighter future? It leads you actually more pain, right? So a little bit of discipline here, a little bit of pain here, means that you're not going to have a whole lot of pain there, right? In the way, it's an investment on pain, <laughs> you know? Is that when, when you are disciplined, it becomes self-discipline. Now, in order for you to be disciplined in the way that Christ wants you to be disciplined, you've got to do some things. One, you've got to read your Bible every single day. You've got to learn to read your Bible every day, and you've got to get away from distraction. Some of y'all are so distracted all the time, every minute, and you, and you wonder at the end of the day, you're like, I can't go to sleep, but I'm so tired because you've allowed yourself to run amok in your distractions. The cool thing about that is, is when you guys find yourself in that moment, that insomnia moment, right, where the devil's like, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake, open your Bible. Open your Bible, start to read. Read for 10 minutes, and they'll be like, hey, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. (laughs) Guys, read your Bible every day. Pray every day, and don't just pray for your own stuff. Don't be a selfish prayer. Pray for your friends. Pray for your family. Pray for your friends who don't know Jesus. Pray for your vision and for for what God will make you become. Learn to pray constantly. Be the people who who are, their first response is to pray. You guys know those people? We should pray people, you know? And sometimes they're kind of annoying, right? Like you're like, you're in the middle of it, and they're like, hey, we should pray. And like, oh, God, you're right. You know, um, let's become those people. Who its first response? You got to do this daily. You got to do this every single day, daily. Got to do the hard things. Got to discipline ourselves in that stuff. You guys, and the other thing is, you got to surround yourself with two groups of people. One groups of people are people who are feeding into your discipleship, people who love Jesus and love you, and they want to see you lifted up. And then you got to surround yourself with people who don't know Jesus that you're trying to lift into the kingdom, right? So you do those four things. You read your Bible, you pray, and you surround yourself with people who know Jesus and people who don't know Jesus. And you do those things daily, and you make your life harder because you have to do these things all the time. And then you become disciplined. All right, let's look at that last part of the verse and see what it says. Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. The call of Christ is costly. It means you're going to have to give up some things. It means you're going to have to add some things to your life. And ultimately, Christ doesn't just ask us for part of our life. He asks us for the whole thing. Do you understand that? You know, someday you guys will learn about tithing, and it's like, it's like hey, i got to give up 10% of my income to God, so that, you know, to the church and all that stuff. No, 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 no. God doesn't just ask for 10%. He asks for the whole thing. Not... He wants you to give your, all of your aspirations, all of your passion to him. Okay, so I wasn't a good talker when I came out, right? I had to actually learn how to talk like all of us did. But actually, 
I had a severe speech impediment for the first 10 years of my life. I stuttered like crazy. My mind and my words had a hard time catching up. And so my mind would be going a million miles ahead of a time, and my mouth would be going, and I couldn't get it out, and I would just trip over it and trip over it. But I had to discipline myself. I went to a, a teacher, and they said, TJ, before you say anything, I want you to think of the next three things you're going to say after that. Made me sit there and think, and it just slowed me down. The crazy thing about that was that was the best public speaking advice I could have ever gotten in my life. So now, I can do things like speak without notes, because I'm thinking three steps ahead, because somebody at 10 years old gave me a, a piece of discipline. It was costly. It took me a lot to get there, but I got there, and now I don't stutter at all. And I speak for a living. In fact, I can like break my body completely, right, and end up in a wheelchair. As long as I can still use my voice, I still have a job, right? And I'd probably be even like a better speaker if I was in a wheelchair anyway, you know? Just get rolled in here. The call of Christ is costly. I want to end with this, this story here. Um, there was a, a, a couple. They took out early retirement, retired at 55 years old because they had done well with their lives. They were a Christian couple. They went to church every week, but they decided, hey, we're done with our careers. We're going to retire. <clears throat> they moved to Florida, as people who retire do. Um, and uh, they moved there. And then they spent uh, their retirement every day. They get, they get up. Um, they listen to a sermon on the radio. Uh, and then they would go to the beach, and they would collect seashells. And they'd find really, really amazing ones. And every once in a while, they'd find one that they'd take home with them. And it'd become part of their seashell collection. God gave them, you know, 45 more years, and they both lived to be 100. And they got to spend a big portion of their life going to their beach every day and collecting seashells. And they die. They go into eternity. And God looks at them and says, hey, I gave you 100 years. I gave you financial security halfway through. I gave you information and, and, and I gave you pastors to listen to on the radio. I gave you great churches. What did you do with what I gave you? They both look at God and they say, have you seen my seashell collection? We live for less than what we were called to live for. And the cost of Christ is high, but also the reward is high. The end of this journey, which should be hard if we do it right, there is glory. There's adventure. There is things that you'll get to witness in your life that are miracles beyond your own understanding. You won't even understand like how that even could happen, but it happened right in front of you if you give yourself fully to this call. So we have to ask the question, are you ready for discipleship? Are you ready to answer that call? Guys, I usually try, when I'm talking to um, a group of, of mixed, I, I try to always say things to all of us. But I want to say something to just the dudes right now. There is a crisis of faith 
in our young men. The most distracted person in our modern day society is a young man. Part of it is the way in which we've made things, you know. We tell you from a young age to sit still, look forward, and be polite. And us young men, if we have any version of, of little men in us, that's not easy to do. It's a lot easier for, for our girls to sit there and be polite because a lot of them, God, that, that's the way God made them. Now, that's not always the truth, but it's usually the truth. And so what have we done with our young men? We told them, sit down, shut up, listen. Sit down, shut up, listen, learn. Sit down, shut up, listen, learn. And then when it doesn't work, what do we do? We medicate them. We say, this, this kid, is, he's got all this energy. Want to know why? Because that kid was made to be a warrior for Jesus. They were made to go on mission and adventure and do crazy, awesome things. And yet we tell them, sit still, shut up, and learn, and be polite to those around us. And if you can't do that, here's some medicine so that you can do those things. Here's a diagnostic of why you can't do that. I've said this over and over and over again to a lot of parents, but I think most of these diagnostics that you get from these people who look at you for 10 minutes and tell you what you have could be fixed with 10 acres and a dirt bike. Men. Do you want to be called on adventure? Do you want to be called on mission? When you hear the words of Christ of, hey, pick up your cross and follow me, does that, does that speak to your soul that you want that? Because if you want that, we've got to stop being distracted. We have, to, we have to learn that there is a war that we must be battling on, and it's in front of us, and it's not on a computer screen. We have to realize that God made us to be warriors. And if we are to be warriors, that means we have to join the battle. And there is a battle for everyone's soul. And, and you being distracted by every other thing is not helping us. And so when I looked around this, this Wednesday at discipleship, and I saw that there was, there was very few men there, my heart saddened. I was incredibly sad. I was sitting there thinking, God, why? Why aren't these words calling to our young men? And so I say to you in this place, God is calling you on an adventure that's deeper than football, that's deeper than video games, that's deeper than your education, that's deeper than music. It's a war, for the, and the battle is for the souls of men and women. And if you go on this battle with me, if you join me in this adventure, it will be the greatest step of your life, but it will also be the hardest and if you hear these words of Christ, if you hear these words of, of Jesus right here at the beginning, and these speak to your soul, then it is time for you to finally join the rank and be discipled. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow him. Follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. If that speaks to your soul and you want to say, let's go, then today, tonight, in this moment, is time for you to sign up for discipleship. And I will take you guys on some of the craziest, most incredible adventures if you join me on this thing. And one of the things that God told me when I was out there walking and my feet were bleeding and everything else was wanting to stop was how much I desire 
to take, take a group of men through those same mountains, a group of young men through those same mountains, only armed with our Bibles and stuff to catch fish with to eat. And I want to spend five days up there getting to know God's creation and God's word. And if you want that, then tonight in this place, it is time for you to sign up for discipleship. Stop being distracted and be discipled. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the group that you've put here for this message, for this time. I pray, I thank you for your words, which just sting, God. Even when I hear them and I know that I've given up my full life towards this call, I, I still feel like I, 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 I fall short of your call every single day, God. Help me to not be distracted, God. Help me to see that you are calling me forward and help me to do hard things in order to pursue you. And God, if there's a young man in this room, in this place, who showed up tonight, who feels purposeless, I pray that you would speak mercies to his soul and you would call him on adventure, on mission for your glory, God. And I pray as he hears your words, his soul would light up in a new way. And he would understand in a deep way, this is what he was made to do. God, wake up our young men. Wake them up. Wake them up from their sleep. Wake them up from what we've conditioned them to become. Wake them up for your glory. And as they rise up, God, we pray for revival and repentance in our county and in our country and in our world. Wake our men up. And as you do so, God, help us to be the place in which the good soil to which ministers grow. God, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.